Well, good morning, y'all, and happy Lord's Day. Thank you. It is really, really great to see you guys today uh, gathered together back in our church, place of worship. Been waiting for this day for quite some time, as I know many of you have as well. <clears throat> guys, today, um, uh, we would traditionally look at the gospel, right, uh, about Jesus overturning the money changers and all this kind of stuff, and the way that uh, Jesus shows himself there to be a great prophet. Um, but... I think I want to go with the first reading today, because y'all took so much time in listening to such a long reading, I thought I would give a little bit of time to explaining it, and because I've never preached about the Ten Commandments, right? So I thought it might be kind of neat to jump into that. Um, question for you. How many of us could actually name the Ten Commandments off the top of our head? <laughs> One? <laughs> Two? Good. Um, I would not be able to raise my hand. <laughs> He got his hand up. Good, buddy. Um, yeah, for a lot of us, this is difficult for us to do, but it's crazy because this is, this, is, this is huge. The commandments, according to the Jews, was written by the very finger of God, Old Testament tells us. Like, this is very, 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 very important, but yet for some reason, we have a hard time remembering these. We might be, get, be able to get a few of them right, but it's hard for us to remember all ten in a row without messing up which numbers go with which. So, what I'm telling you ahead of time, if you ever come to confession to me, please do not come in and say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I broke numbers one, two, and three. Um, I'm pretty good on the fourth, though I struggle with it a little bit. I haven't done number five and number six, and number seven, not too sure, but seven, eight, nine, we're good. I won't know what you're talking about, <laughs> all right? So, please don't come in and do that. But that's just our reality, right? We struggle with those. Now, what I want to do is kind of jump into the commandments a little bit, um, and, and I want to do it from a little different angle. I want us for a moment, and I'm going to use an exaggerated story, so bear with me. Imagine with me for a moment a world, a society that did not honor their moms and dads. They would talk back to them. They would holler at them. They could even divorce them legally if they felt like it, right? Imagine for a moment that you had about 2,000 kids that were killed every single day, about one every 30 seconds. Imagine something like that. Imagine a world where the old people got to a point where they were no longer of use, and so we just helped them pass. Imagine for a moment um, you have disrespect for marriage, right? You have all these things going on in marriage, and there's cheating on marriages and spouses, and those things are happening. And imagine for a moment somebody could actually just go into your house and steal something. That you can actually have like looting and rioting and people breaking into your business and all these things going on, destroying your livelihood. Imagine that for a moment. I know it's out of this world and hard to imagine, but continue to imagine with me that somebody could actually falsely accuse you of things, especially on Facebook and social media, right? You can say whatever the heck you want on there about whoever you want, and it's totally okay. Imagine a world where you could take that which wasn't yours, especially your neighbor's wife and their goods, especially that new boat you just got. Yeah, if you want that one, just go take it. <laughs> imagine, I know it's hard to imagine that, but imagine that kind of a world. I would dare say to you that that kind of a world is breaking commandments number 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All right? But that's just that kind of a world. That's just those commandments. What about the first three? Right? And that's the ones I want to focus on, because if we don't get the first three right, then we're not going to get the next seven right. The first three are the first three for a reason, right? 
So I want to jump into those because they set us free. This is why the commandments were given to us, to set us free. Father, what do you mean by that? Well, I want to back up a little bit. Right? I want to back up to Genesis. Whenever God created man and woman, He created them in love and He created them to be free. You can eat freely, God says, of all the trees in the garden. It's all yours, but not the one right there in the middle. So there is a little restriction, but yet He's created us in freedom and He gives us free will. Why does God do this? Well, because He wants us to freely be able to love Him. You see, we were created for relationship. That's why God made us. And so He wants us to freely love Him. He doesn't want to be a tyrant. He doesn't want to force people to love Him. He created us in freedom so we could freely love Him. Right? So this is what we have to get in our minds, is God created us to be in relationship with Him and freely love Him. And see, in Genesis, it's really cool. There's this moment in Genesis where God comes down to speak to Adam and Eve, and it says they used to walk in the garden with God in the cool of the evening. <laughs> How cool would that be? Yeah, like at 5 o'clock, I have an appointment with God. He's coming down. We're going to go chill out and drink a glass of wine and walk in the garden. <laughs> it would be awesome. But that's the life that Adam and Eve had. Perfect unity. Perfect harmony. With God with all of creation, and with one another. And then we know the story. Sin enters into the world, and everything is ruptured. Creation is ruptured. Relationship is ruptured. Relationship with one another, relationship with God is all ruptured. And then God sets into motion a plan for our salvation. All right? Fast forward a little bit. All right? That relationship gets broken. Fast forward to Moses. Whenever Moses comes around, the Israelite people had been in slavery to the Egyptians for over 430 years. Imagine that. You're enslaved to the Egyptians for decades. And all of a sudden, Moses comes in. And what does Moses do? Whenever he goes to Pharaoh, he says, let my people go so that we may go into the desert and worship God. Right? He doesn't say, let us go because we have a Mardi Gras party to go to. Yeah? He says, let us go so we can go and worship. Now think about this for a second, guys. This is huge. They haven't worshipped God in 430 years. Wrap your mind around that for a minute. Everything changed for them. On one day when they were brought into captivity to the Egyptians, everything changed. They could no longer worship. It's not too hard for us to imagine that. On the front of our bulletins, I would encourage you to take one home today. The front of our bulletins, there's this picture. A year ago, there were sticky tabs all over the, the pews. These were y'all's prayers. Whenever our church closed and the doors were shut, so many of y'all would come in and put your prayers on the pews right here. And it was a powerful moment to be able to pray and intercede for y'all right there. It was a moment where my heart, like y'all's heart, was longing to be back inside the church. It was a moment where everything went bonkers and the world turned upside down and we could no longer come and worship in freedom. I'll never forget the moment that I was standing here and I was celebrating Mass and your prayers were on the pews and I could hear the Mass being echoed right outside the window over here. 
There's a little delay. And there was a group of ladies right here by the window, huddling in real close, listening to the Mass. Just want to be close to the Lord. Imagine living like that for 450 years. Imagine what would happen with those generations of how you're going to bring them back into normalcy and to bring them back into right worship with God because they've been living in a pagan nation and worshiping false gods. Imagine how difficult that would have been to bring an entire nation back. But yet this is what happened. Whenever God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, He brought them out of slavery and He brought them into the desert and they stayed there for 40 years. You see, it took them a long time to get Egypt out of them. It was easy to pull them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still stuck inside of them. That slavery to sin, the slavery to wanting to worship idolatry and false items was still stuck inside their hearts. They couldn't let go of it. So God brought them out of Egypt, but it took a long time to get Egypt out of them. And it's in the midst of this that God shows that He's a powerful God. He splits the Red Sea. He destroys Pharaoh's army. He gives them bread that comes down from heaven and quell in the evenings. He provides for His people in powerful ways over and over and over again to prove to them that He's a loving Father and He calls them into a freedom and not a life of slavery. And it's in the midst of that that we get the Ten Commandments. I just think it's important for us to realize where they come from. Right? Why does He give them the Ten Commandments? Because for 450 years they lived like pagans. They couldn't worship. And so God has to set in place boundaries. And we all know that love is okay to have boundaries in love. Right? If you love someone, you're going to say, look, if you love me, you got to be with me and just me. You can't go and have like two or three other wives. If you love me, you can't kill anybody. Like, like love requires things of us, and it's okay. It, love sets demands upon us. Why? Not to shackle us, but to free us. And so God gives us the commandments. And so here's the first commandment. The first one, usually the first thing is the most important thing. And what does God say is the first commandment? I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. Remember, the Israelites were in Egypt for 130 years. They hadn't worshipped the way that they wanted to. And so what did they do in the moment whenever Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments? They were down having a Mardi Gras party, burning all their, their, uh, their jewelry, and they made a golden calf. That was one of the major gods of Egypt. They began to worship false gods, even though God showed up and saved them from from the Egyptians, he set them free, but yet Egypt was still inside of them. And they began to worship false gods. And so God is saying, no, I'm the one true God. I'm your father. I'm the one who's going to fight for you. Have no other gods besides me. Right? A singular relationship with the father. And so we, we can look at that and we go, oh, well, that's no problem for me. I don't have any false gods. We just have God as father. Well, that's cool. No, really, God is the, the one thing that you would look at and say, I would die for that. There's nothing that's going to keep me from being with Him, right? No matter what it is, no matter whether it's sports, whether it's hunting, or whether it's relationships, or whether it's parties, or whatever it might be, what is it that's the most important thing for us that would take the place of God, right? Something that I can't do without. 
right? In our world today, maybe that's our, our iPhone. <laughs> I just can't do without it, and I'm guilty of it. I have to confess that in my confession all the time. Public confession, please absolve me. That's what happens, right? <laughs> I get kind of... <laughs> I'm being a little vulnerable. Um, I, we get stuck with those things. Man, what do I, what, if you like me, you without your phone for more than an hour, <gasps> what do I do? Man, I have no other gods besides me. The second commandment, and I'm only going to go through the top three. Don't take the, Lord the, name, the name of the Lord your God in vain. Right? This one, I think we realize this one, right? I hear that one a lot. I, I never really hear somebody come in and, and confess number one. But I do hear this one, Lord, I took the Lord's name in vain, right? And we know what those words are, you know? And I don't know why we choose the Lord's name to, to, to curse with, right? I mean, why don't we choose other names? Why don't we know we get mad and we go, oh, Shaquille O'Neal, you know? Or, oh, Drew Brees. Like, why do we have to use his name, <laughs> Right? Why do we have to use the name that is above all other names? The name that the, His name, every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth shall bend. It's the name that makes all of hell quake and every demon flee. Why do we use His name flippantly? I don't understand that, but this is the second commandment. We know, Father, I believe that thou shalt not kill, but I'll go out to an abortion clinic and you shall not kill, but I'll also use the Lord's name right there in front of everybody. Yeah, this is, this is usually a big one. Why? Well, because God's name is holy. Okay, let's just, set this, let's just set this straight for a second. What does it mean to be holy? It means that you're set apart from something to something. You're set apart from sin to relationship with God, right? You're holy. Every single person here is holy. I want you to do something for a second. Look at the person next to you and just say, I'm holy. <laughs> it feels weird, doesn't it? But I'm telling you, it is the deepest truth and reality. Why are you holy? Because you were baptized in the waters that sanctified you and set you apart for your body to be a temple of the Holy Spirit where God Himself wants to dwell. You've been set apart. You're made holy. And this is what happens. So when we look at the commandments, we have to see that they're an offense against that which is holy. God's name is holy. When we use it in any other way than worship, it desecrates His name. Okay? That's what it is. That's its reality. All right? So that's number two. Let's go to number three. <clears throat> to keep the Lord's day holy. Right? Keep the Sabbath holy. It's the Lord's day. Right? And there's a reason why I start every single Mass on the weekends with Happy Lord's Day. I don't do it because it's like I'm trying to like relive a childhood mem memory of Frosty the Snowman whenever he would melt and come back to life and go, Hey, happy birthday. That's not what I'm doing. I'm doing this because I'm trying to remind ourselves that yes, indeed, it is the Lord's Day. It belongs to Him. And you're here. You're here to worship God. You're here to make this day His. And you're showing up at Mass. And guess what? It's not an obligation yet. But you're still coming. Why? Because something inside of us knows that we're made for this day. We're made to worship God. And some of you that might have been away for a whole year and you're back for the first time, you've been filling that void, haven't you? 
whenever the churches were closed, you felt the void. Something wasn't right. The Lord's day wasn't what it should be. And so why is the Lord's day to be made holy? Well, because it's set apart from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday should look a little bit different. Why? Because God sanctified time. God made time holy. He did it, not me. He makes it holy, right? So Sunday should look very different than the rest of your week. I, know, I don't know about you, but whenever I was a kid, um, growing up, everything closed down on Sundays. Right? Now granted, it was a vent and we had two red lights. It wasn't that big of a deal. But everything closed down. You had to get your grocery shopping done on Monday through Saturday because Sunday the store wasn't open. On Sundays, we went to Mass, and then we all went over to my grandparents' house with my cousins, and we had lunch, and the men took a nap, and we went outside and played football, baseball, kickball, whatever it was. I didn't go seek. We got in trouble. All right. So, um, but that was every single Sunday growing up as a kid. I don't know what your childhood was like, but that's how we kept Sundays holy. You see, this is what Sunday's supposed to look like. Go to church, hang out with family and friends, and take a nap. <laughs> All right? Because that's what God did. God worked on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it says on the seventh day, he took a nap. He rested. <laughs> that's what God did on the seventh day. And so this is something for us to remember. Whenever we rest, and it's hard for us as Americans sometimes to do that because we think, well, I'm being lazy and I've got to be productive. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about holy leisure. We rest, here's the key, with God. On Sundays, we carve out time to rest with God, right? And so we put aside those things that would make that day look like every other day, right? And so now, granted, I know, Father, I, I have work on Sunday. I'm a... I'm a physician, or, uh, or, or I have to go to work at the, at the pharmacy. I get it. That's cool. <clears throat> but it's whenever we are off on Sundays, and, and we don't have to go to work, what am I doing with my Sunday? What does it look like? Right? And I have a buddy of mine, super respected for what he does. Sometimes he works for 12 to 18 hours sometimes on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday. But because we have a 9 p.m. Mass, no matter what, when he's off of work, he's coming at the 9 p.m. Mass even though he's had a grueling weekend. That shows his family that this is the most important thing is to show up for Mass. He's providing, and he's making the Lord's Day holy. So it's time, it's set apart, it's made sacred. Let me ask you this question. What would it be like if, if I just took a host, right? Unconsecrated, right? Just a host that you would receive in communion. And it wasn't consecrated, right? You could do whatever you want with that. It's just a piece of bread at that point. You could do whatever you want. You give it to your kids, no big deal. But what happens whenever I consecrate the Eucharist? That same little piece of bread becomes set apart. It becomes holy. It becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. So what would happen if I would take a consecrated host and throw it on the floor and begin stepping all over it? What would y'all do? Hopefully you'd punch me first. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you'd be the first one. I believe that. Yeah, and why? I mean, if it's just a piece of bread, what's the big deal? Well, it's because it's not just a piece of bread. What we do with it outside of that which it is intended for, then we would desecrate that. Why? Because it's holy. And so it's important for us to realize that, that just as 
the Eucharist would be something holy that I would want to hold up, that I would never want to desecrate. So too with everything else that involves the Ten Commandments. Everything. And so too with the Lord's Day. When we do something with the Lord's Day, other than that which it's intended for, we desecrate the Lord's Day. Why? Because God said so. Because God sanctified time. And God rested. And He calls us to rest with Him. I'll never forget in the seminary. Um, my professor, um, a brilliant, brilliant biblical scholar, he told us one day, he said, you know, he said, whenever I was at Notre Dame up north, the big Indy, um, he said, uh, he said, I was convicted in my heart, and he was in his doctrinal studies. Like, for those of you who have ever studied in the doctrinal dissertations, that's some tough work. He said, I was in my doctrinal studies, and he said, I was writing about the second coming of Christ. That was his study. Two books this thick. He said, the Lord convicted my heart not to study on Sundays. I was like, oh my gosh. Do you imagine? He said, he said but what it did is it, it properly ordered my week. And I, I wasn't lazy during the week. I was using my time wisely. And so on Sunday, I was honoring God, and I wasn't studying. And he said, my brain felt better, my relationship with my wife was better, his kids, it was better. Like, all this was so much better. Why? Because he chose to honor the Lord rather than do unnecessary work that he could have gotten done beforehand. And so he really, he really set my heart on fire, and so me and some of my buddies took up that practice, right? We wouldn't study on Sundays even though our master's program was intensely <laughs> rigorous. It ordered my day and my week. And what would happen is if I didn't have my week ordered properly and I chose to just be lazy and cut up and I didn't study and I had a test on Monday, I still didn't study on Sunday. And whatever I made on that test was my fault. If an F glorified God, then it glorified God. If an A did it, then an A did it. Right? But it was an interior disposition that I wanted to keep God's day holy. And I didn't want it to look like the other days. And so that's super, super important for us to realize that. Why? Because we all want peace. We all want to be in right order. We all want to be back in right uh, relationship with the Lord. And that's what our psalm today says. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The commandments of the Lord revive the soul. How many of us need that? I just need to be revived. I need some peace. Right? The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eye. It's more to be desired than gold, even the finest of gold, Psalm 19 says. You see, this is what we're called to. This is what the gift of the commandments are. It's given to us so that we can be free, that we can love freely, that we can live freely, and not have to worry about all the effects that come if indeed a commandment is broken. And so let us come today asking the Lord to order our steps asking Him to give us a delight in His commandments and to let us walk in peace and with joy in right harmony with our God, that He will always be God, that He will always, His name will always be holy. And this day, this Lord's Day, can always be kept as a different day, set apart for the worship of our God. Amen?